0: At Tacoma. For additional podcasts or information on service times and upcoming events, please visit us online at www.explorecrc.com.
1: What we've done on Easter, and you probably already picked this up, it's not your typical Easter service, or maybe not what you were expecting For 50 years, our church did what all the other churches in the community do on Easter morning. It's like the biggest day for Christians, the biggest day of the year. It's our Super Bowl, if you will. And uh, we we all dress up, and we sing our favorite hymns and our songs, and we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And it's just really the most important day for Christians. About four years ago, we decided that we wanted to do something different. We wanted to take our favorite day, our sacred day, and give it to our community. And so we tried to come up with what would our community, people who have never explored faith before, they know nothing about our faith, uh, what kind of a service could we put together that they would feel comfortable to come in and... uh, just enjoy our great uh, Easter Sunday with us. And so we came up with what you have here. And so this is just our way of giving to the community uh, our very best. So just relax, be yourself. I hope you enjoy the food and uh, we want nothing from you this morning. We just want to share with you uh, something about faith that really means a lot to us. We Don't take ourselves very seriously, and so uh, you don't have to do that for yourself either. We take our faith serious, but uh, we like to have a good time. Have you ever asked this question of yourself or thought about it? You know, you're going through life and you think to yourself, is this all there is? I mean, is this all there is to life? I get up every morning early and I go to work and I come home exhausted and and I watch a little TV, and I just, day after day, is there anything more to life than this? There's got to be something more to life. I don't know about you, but for me, when I hit my 30s, I started to feel this more and more and more. And I started to get this nagging feeling that there was something really wrong with religion. You know, I, I read the Bible, and I saw the red parts about Jesus, and Jesus, everything that he did and jesus seemed awesome i i really liked jesus and and the things that he did were so cool but then when i went to church it was anything but awesome and there was just a huge disconnect i was very disappointed and dissatisfied with church and so i just took my whole family and said okay we're done so we left and so i want to show you this quick video and maybe you will identify with my reason for leaving the church here it is
0: my little girl want to go to church for the first time, and uh, we don't go to church. I believe, but I don't believe enough to ruin my Sundays. <laughs> I can't totally not believe because I was raised Catholic, and I'm terrified all the time. <laughs> If you were raised Catholic, you know what I mean, you can't shake it, you're just, no. But my little girl wanted to go, and it makes sense, because the church is the coolest building in the neighborhood, isn't it? It's got spires and rainbow windows and bells ringing. She's like, I want to see the show that goes on in there. I was like, all right, let's go. Let's get dressed up and go to church. I'll take you. It felt right. And she gets up the church steps, the doors open, she freezes, starts digging into my hand, she's shaking like a leaf. She's looking up at the giant bloody Catholic Jesus. (laughs) From the ceiling. And I realized we never told her the stories. She's looking at me like this is a haunted house. We sit in the pew, it's all creaky and old, and old people are petting her. Hello, little girl. She's holding her purse like a roller coaster rail, just two eyes, terrified. And you, it is a haunted house. You look through her eyes, and on the rainbow windows from the outside tell the story of how he died. So it's all him being stepped on and stabbed. And big thing where they christen the babies. Daddy, what's that? That's where we dunk babies underwater their first time here. <laughs> <laughs> then this old lady gets up and starts crossing the altar on the way to the organ. I was like, oh no, not the organ. This is not going to go well. She hits that organ. Boom, boom. All I hear next to me is, I want to go. Minnie Mouse is losing her marbles. <laughs> Boom. I start laughing. I start that uncontrollable, you're not allowed to laugh, but you're laughing, so now you're snorting. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. Let's get out of here. Uh, uh. Boom. Then the headliner comes out. The priest comes down the aisle. I swear to you, he looked like Dracula. Long head, the hair all greased back. And he's in his robe, so it doesn't even look like he's walking. He's floating down the aisle. They're doing the whole smoke show in front of him. He gets to the microphone. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. I fall out. I am laughing out loud. I'm laughing. She's crying. People are turning and shaking their heads. We gotta go. We gotta go now before this gets any scarier. Before he starts talking about drinking the blood of Christ, let's beat it. We go running out the aisle. We get outside. Outside, birds are chirping, sun shining. We sit on the steps, look at each other, just start laughing like, what was that? And look, I don't know what God is or that spirit thing that we're always chasing, but whatever it is, we were so much closer to it on the sidewalk together than whatever was going on inside that haunted house.
1: I don't know about you, but I completely relate to that. I mean, the, what makes it so funny is that it's just so true. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of Anne Rice. Anne Rice is a uh, you know, world-famous author. And uh, she's written over 70 books, multi-millionaire, worth about 50 million bucks. And uh, she talks about her faith and said that when she was 18, she grew up in, in a house that, that believed in faith, and, and she said at 18, and these are her words, I violently left the church. And so she took off and started this amazing career, and she wrote the Vampire Diaries. I don't know if you've, you've read those or... Um, the, the Brad Pitt movie uh, with Tom Cruise, uh, Interview with a Vampire, that was her, her uh, book and, and made into a movie. And so she, she has this amazing career, this brilliant woman, and, and about 50 years old, she decides to go back to her roots and, and go back into the church and, and give the church a try. A lot of people do that. And so she came back and then she, she began to write about her new experience of being a part of the church. And that's what I wanted to share with you this morning. Listen to this. This is what she said. Today I quit being a Christian. I'm out. I remain committed to Christ, as always, but not being a Christian or being a part of Christianity. Are you allowed to quit? I don't know. Nobody told me I could quit. But Listen, she says this. It's simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, disputatious, and deservedly infamous group. I had to look up what disputatious was, and I'm pretty sure you don't know what it means either, but she's so brilliant. Basically what she's saying is that whatever is Christianity, whatever is church, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want anything to do with Christians, period. I've had it. And I know some of you this morning, you were prodded and manipulated and tricked into coming to be here today, and you read these quotes and you're like, Amen. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I know some of you can relate to how she felt about her experience with the church. But listen, she's not done. Listen to this. For ten years I've tried and I've failed. I'm an outsider. My conscience will allow nothing else. My faith in Christ is central to my life. My conversion from a pessimistic atheist lost in a world I didn't understand, to an optimistic believer in a universe created and sustained by loving God is crucial to me. But following Christ does not mean following his followers. Christ is infinitely more important than Christianity and always will be, no matter what Christianity is, has been, or might become anything Christian was an absolute disappointment to her and her experience of faith. I identify with that. And there's a time in my life where I felt like there was something really wrong with the church, something messed up with religion. But you know, it wasn't just the church. It was life in general. There's something wrong with life. You begin to realize that you know, everybody is just living for the weekend, you know, just get through the week, and then get to the weekend, and, and that's life, or, or the big vacation, you know, okay, I can, I can hold on for two more months, because I know we're going to go to Vegas, and you know, it'll be good, or, or Disneyland, or whatever your thing is, you're just living for that next big vacation, or, you know, living for something, and eventually it's just living for retirement, and then you get to retirement, and all along that whole journey you have in the back of your mind, this nagging feeling of, is this it? Is this what life is supposed to be? Is this what life is like? Is this worth living? Is this how I want to live my life? There's got to be something more than this. Some people think, well, if I get married, that will do it. Then I'll be happy. And then they go on the honeymoon and realize that was a mistake. Or maybe if I get my own home, I mean, you know, that's, that's the ultimate American dream: get your own home, own your home, you'll be happy then. Or maybe it's the new Lexus, or or if I can only get to 150k a year, you know, then we'll really be happy. And people are just going through life as though they're searching for something. And they don't know what it is, but they're searching for something out there. Something substantial. Something meaningful. Something that will make it feel like life is worth it. One of my favorite quotes. You'll recognize the person. He says this. I hope everybody could get rich and famous and have everything they've ever dreamed of. So they would know it's not the answer. Isn't that amazing? I think we all have this inside of us, this hunger. This hunger, this thirst. And it's not for food or water. It's a hunger for what life should be. What life could be. Jesus said this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And I don't think Jesus was talking about oral wheat. Jesus was talking about that hunger that's inside of us. That hunger for meaning and purpose in life. And he saw that men and women were hungry after supper. And he said, listen, I am the answer to that hunger that's deep within inside of you. Two things brought me back to the church eventually. I came back around just like Ann did and and first of all, I realized that I was not alone in my disappointment. You know, because if you're a Christian your whole life and your Sundays are already spoken for, you know, even when you're a kid, you know, like, I want to sleep in, I want to do this, I want to do that. And then your parents are like, no, you're going to church. And, and you scream and cry and then they, they beat you the whole way there. And then as you're walking, everybody smiles and everything's cool, you know. And, uh, and so uh, all of a sudden I have Sundays free. I'm like, wow, look at all the people out doing all this cool stuff And then I met all these Christians out there. you know. I wasn't the only one who just had it with religion and just said, that's enough. I don't want that anymore. So I realized I wasn't alone. But then I also realized that I was part of the problem. That it wasn't just the church to blame. There was something in me that caused the problem as well. Because there's something you learn in kindergarten. We all learned it in kindergarten. It's one of those kindergarten things. Don't judge a book by its... Ever, right, we all know that. Don't judge a book by its cover. But I think that's what I was doing with church, with religion. I mean, I, I knew a little bit. I saw the, fray, the face of it. And I was judging God and everything based on my little bit of knowledge that I had looking at the cover of the book. But you see, faith is more like a relationship than it is anything else. Faith is more like a relationship than it is science or an intellectual thing or, you know, a membership of a club or membership of a church. It's a relationship. And when I got married to, to the love of my life, Joy, I, I, I confess, I admit, when I got married, I fell in love with the cover of the book. <laughs> I mean, I saw this woman and I thought, wow. She's so hot I want to marry her. And that was it. That was the depth of my love at that point. And I stood at the altar and I said I love and then we went on the honeymoon and that was like reading the first chapter of the book on love. And boy was I shocked at what it said. <laughs> Nothing to what I expected. So after 25 years of reading the book of Joyce Sims, I'll tell you this. This is what I know. She's awesome. <laughs> She's awesome. But life hasn't always been peaches and cream. I mean, you know, I didn't have a clue what love was or, or how to love or how to experience love. I had no idea what it was. And so I'm thrust into this relationship. So many things you don't understand. The first thing that just baffled my mind was, how in the world does a woman use so much toilet paper? I'm constantly changing the role. Where is this going? Or you'd have we'd have conversations, and you know I am pretty sure we both speak English, but it turned into a fight. I'm like she's speaking Russian, or I don't understand a word this woman is saying to me. You know we have all these problems, these issues. I didn't know how to love her. I didn't understand her, and I had tons of issues that I had to work out. And so here's the scary news about this: if faith is a relationship then no wonder there are so many bad relationships out there between people and God. It's safe to say at the beginning of the relationship, you have no clue what it's about. You learn it as you go. I mean, you, you, you figure it out. It's the journey. It's the process of figuring out who God is and knowing him and loving him and learning how to allow him to love you. And I see this a lot when people face a crisis, you know, they're, they're new, the relationship just begins, and then they experience something really horrible, because life has a way of doing that, throw terrible stuff at us, and then they just completely chuck the whole relationship. And they say things like, well, God isn't real, or, you know, if he's such a good God, and why that happened, and they abandon it all because something bad happens, But we all have issues, right? I mean, look around the room. Everybody's normal until you get to know them, right? And you realize, no. The good news is, I eventually grew up. And my relationship with joy got better. And my relationship with God got better as I began to understand him better. See, a relationship with Jesus, a relationship of faith, is really just a better quality of life. To me, that's a great definition of it. It's a better quality of life when the Seahawks absolutely destroyed and dominated the Broncos in the Super Bowl. Yes! I mean, that was the greatest day of my life. Second greatest day, or third. But anyway, it was awesome. You know, here's God, Seahawks, that's right, it's close, you know. And so we're watching the Super Bowl. We're way ahead. It's zero. And all of a sudden, our TV just goes, Klip. and I didn't swear. Or maybe it did. I can't remember. But I was going to. It's just that instant, silent, freak out like, oh, God, oh, God, did you pay the cable bill? <laughs> you know, is there something wrong with the TV? Is it plugged in? I mean, and then, boom, it came back on. And the rest of the game, I was so nervous. Not that we were losing, or anything, the TV might go out. And so afterwards, I had this great excuse. I go to my wife, oh, TV's going to die, it's, it's done, it's cooked. Oh, we got to get a new one. So I went to the store. This is what I love to do. I always look at the TVs. And I bought a smart TV. Now, i never had a smart TV before. And if, you, and if you're in the market for a TV, I highly recommend you got to get one of these things. They're amazing. I hardly watch TV anymore. You have all these apps. You have all these things you get, all free movies. You can surf the Internet. I can control my TV with my iPad. How cool is that? I mean, I just absolutely love it. I will never buy another TV again that's not a smart TV. Or maybe you have an iPhone now, or you know, you have a really new, modern phone. Would you ever go back to the flip phone? Remember? Remember those? <laughs> Some of you have those, and now you're embarrassed. And here's my point once you experience something like that in your relationship with God you, you, you experience something real something dynamic you never want to go back you never want to go back to that old life that you had you, you experience a better life now it's not a perfect life it's not a trouble free life but it's a far better life it's a, the quality of your life it just goes way up From knowing Jesus. And the second thing I realized that was so so important is that Jesus brings life into a very dark world because all of us make mistakes. There's this thing in life, it really stinks, but it's true. It's called true guilt. You know, there's false guilt, but there's true guilt. That means you know you messed up royally, and now you feel really, really bad about it. And we carry these things through life like a big burden. One time I was talking with a friend of mine, and, and he was explaining this story. And he started a business with his best friend. Best friends, and they start this business together. And, and then one business deal goes bad, and they have a fight, and it gets worse. They end up suing each other in court, separating, destroying the company, and no longer friends ever again. I'm, I'm like, and I know this guy, and I'm like, I've... I've he, he never said anything to me about I didn't know anything about it. I said, Bob, when did this happen? And he's like, well, 40 years ago. But he was crying as he's telling me the story 40 years ago. It's because he's still carrying around all the guilt and the hurt and the baggage from that event. I think the writer of Psalms encapsulates this beautifully for us. He says this, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. But see, listen to Jesus. His words are so beautiful. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. You see, Jesus came to help us know who God is, to be able to have a relationship with God, to understand him, And not just for us. I mean, it's not just a better quality of life for us in this room, but for our whole community. I mean, can you imagine what would happen to our community if everybody here just did one thing that Jesus said? Just one thing. Forget about everything else. One thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or we just focus on that. That's just one thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine how that would transform our whole society, if we all just did that one thing. But here's the ultimate question today, and this is something that I would like you to think about. What about you? Do you have a relationship with God that works? Because a lot of people say they have a relationship with God or they are a Christian or what. I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about one that works. Not the relationship that you define by waking up in the morning saying, Oh God, oh God, who is that in my bed? Not that kind of relationship. I'm talking about one that works for you. Have you really looked into it? Are you basing something as important as as something as life-changing as this on what people have told you? Maybe you had a professor in college and, you know, you're, it's your first semester and, and he stands up and says the Bible isn't true and God's not real and you shouldn't base your life on that. And So from that point on, you think about that or just what you've heard from your parents or your friends or your family. But you've never investigated it yourself. You've never really looked at it yourself. You've never taken the time to really explore faith and say, what does Jesus mean? really mean? What is he about? What did he say? C.S. Lewis was a, a, just an amazing, brilliant theologian, philosopher, uh, a poet, wrote, wrote books. The whole Narnia Chronicles and movies are, are his books. And the movie Shadowlands is, is about his life. And, and this is what he said about Christianity. He said this, Christianity is a statement which if false is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The one thing it cannot be is moderately important. In other words, you can't blow this off, because if it's real, it massively impacts your life, and if it's false, it means nothing the Barna group decided to just take a little test and say, you know, let's just see what people know about Christianity or the Bible, just simple Bible knowledge. And this is a couple of answers I thought were hilarious. One guy wrote, Moses led the Hebrew slaves to the Red Sea where they made unleavened bread, which is bread made without any ingredients at all. Moses went up on Mount Sinai, he got the Ten Commandments, But he died before they ever reached Canada. Another wrote this. The Romans were highly sculptured people. And without them, we wouldn't have history. The Romans also had myths. A myth is a female moth. Does your faith rest upon what people have told you? Or is it something that you yourself have investigated? We do a thing at our church called Alpha. And I love Alpha. It's, it's such a cool thing that we do. It's you know, it's, we meet on Wednesday nights. We have a meal. It's completely free. It's a dinner that we serve and it's much like the one you got today. And uh, you sit around tables and and you you have a meal together. Then there's a short talk on faith and then you get about 30 minutes to just kind of discuss it and ask questions. And there's no dumb questions. And and it's a safe environment. In fact, if any Christian there gets out of hand, you know, the next week we're, we're teach, they're teaching fourth grade boys or something. I mean, it's it's safe for people to explore faith. You can ask any question you want, and we've we've done this a number of times and gotten feedback from people. One atheist attended, and and he wrote on his card. He said, "You know, I was really skeptical about how I would be treated here at your church, and I want to let you know, I was." I was given the most respect I have ever experienced from a Christian in my whole life. So, where else in the community can you get an opportunity like this? A chance to go and explore faith at your own pace. This is what we're going to offer. It starts this Wednesday. This Wednesday at 6.30. How much time have you spent exploring faith? Think about it. Really think about it. Because there's a good chance you haven't spent very much time at all. But I don't want to waste your time, and I don't want to waste my time. And so we've developed this really great system that helps both of us. It's on your connection card on the back side. Go ahead and grab it. There's enough at the table for everybody to have one. And uh, we told you about the front. Now I want you to look at the back. On the back, there are four boxes that you can check and uh, a uh, a space in the bottom where you can write comments. But the first box, and you'll need a pen with it, by the way, as well. It says this. I've heard something today about faith and Christianity that I want to investigate further. I will be back on Wednesday, April 23rd to attend Alpha Week 1. If that's you... Check the box, and you know in your heart, you know, if there's something said today you've not heard before, you don't understand, you didn't know, maybe that's the box you check. Or the second one says, I've heard nothing new today that has changed my mind or or caused me to examine faith further through Alpha. Maybe that's you, you know, you're like, yeah, I've heard all that, I know that. Uh, That's not for me, then check that box. The third one, I've heard nothing new that has inspired me to take Alpha, but I would like to check out this church and i'll be back next week to either the 915 or the 1107 service and if that's you check that box